Relational Model series has been cultivated in hopes of helping college-age students on their journey into relationship building. In these upcoming conversations, host Aziza Gore and co-host Derek Scott dive into the realities of maintaining different relationships, boundaries, and expectations, all while remaining true to self and personal values. We hope this resource serves you well. And now for episode five, public relationships. Okay, so the final space of the relational model, public. Yep. The biggest space. It's the biggest space. Talk to me about it. Yep. So the public space, uh, it's it's the space for affinity and identity. It's the space um, where you are in your largest groups. Um, And it's a space that is important as well. It's a space that you sort of self-select into often, particularly as you're growing up and finding who you are apart from your parents and the ways you were raised. And so that's where these public um, public decisions become important. It's you knowing who you are and you not being afraid to say to people, this is who I am. This is how I identify. These are the ideals. These are uh, my... my uh, my belief set and the people that I agree with on broad topics. And again, the, the thing about the public space is that it, it's probably the, um, it's probably not an area that gets a lot of maintenance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it needs a ton of maintenance, but I do think that it is worth um, noting that just how important it is for people to know who they are apart from others, that that is not a bad thing to know that, you have some things that are different from other people and you're not ashamed of that. Um, but I would also say the public space, like the, the degree of connection with others in the public space is probably wearing the same t-shirt. Mm. <laughs> There's probably not a whole lot more connection than that. And I, again, I think that that's just really important that we're aware of, of who, we, who we gravitate towards and yeah. the groups that we would say we're a part of. I'm having a hard time identifying what the public space actually is. Yeah. Do you have any examples? Yeah. So um, here are some public spaces for me. I am a United Methodist. I am one of 12 million uh, individuals in the world who are not just Christian, not just Protestant, but are specifically United Methodist in our way of thinking about church and in our theology. I am an African-American, so I am a person of African descent, but I am the descendant of slaves uh, brought to the United States. And so that I am distinctly different, both from other Americans, but also from other people of color around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I am uh, a, a big group. I am a, uh, a beer tender. I have a Cicerone certification. So I understand about, a lot about craft beer. And that means that I'm not a novice when it comes to craft beer. Um, It doesn't mean that I'm a super expert, but I'm a part of this kind of larger conversation around craft beer. There are some people that I spend a little more time with to talk about craft beer. That's those are people in my social space. Mm -hmm. But in my public space, I have an identity that has to do with craft beer. So these are different groups, different affinities, different ways of identifying myself. And again, I think that's important um, for our own personal self-concept. So it'd be hard to quantify how many people are in this space. Yeah. 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 And um, I, 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 I think that you're talking about at least two groups, but I think it can go 
you can identify as much as you want. Mm. Um, I think that you can wear as many t-shirts as you want. I think you can put as many hyphens in that thing as you want. And again, these are the ways that we express ourselves and we um, put ourselves out there into the world. So at least two groups in the public space. So I'll say this. Here's a here's a thought. Some people go to congr- go to churches that it's better to place being in that church as being in your that church being in your public space and not your social space. Mm-hmm. Because if you walk into that church looking for a good time, which is okay, but that church has thousands of people in it, maybe even hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. You're bringing in an expectation that that church can't deliver on, right? Because you just not you're not going to be able to hang out with everybody in the church, like because right. it's just too big. If you go to a church with like 50 people, it may be better to put them in a social space than a public space. So these are really large groups. These are really large. Fi- There's no way that you're going to know everybody in those groups. There's no way that you're going to be deeply connected to these people in the groups. And to bring that kind of expectation to the public spaces would be inappropriate. Mm-hmm. This seems like, of all the categories to me, this seems like the one that would most be easiest to not manage or to avoid or to like consider as least important. Yeah. So what are, what would you say the dangers are of not managing this group? um, Blending in Hmm. to the world that you're living in, Mm -hmm. um, which means that you are saying yes to certain things that you may not want to say yes to. Mm -hmm. Um, It means that fear of, because this is where the other spaces come in. If someone in my life cannot handle me being unapologetically United Methodist, I'm not sure they should be in my personal space. But Mm -hmm. if I haven't done the work to articulate that I wear the United Methodist t-shirt and I'm proud to, they never get the opportunity to give me that feedback. Mm -hmm. And so that's a part of my life that they... I need to know they respect. They don't have to agree. They don't have to be in the same, they don't have to be in that public space as well with me, but they have to know that it's important to me. It's so important that I want to pull that out. I'm not just a Christian. I'm not just a moderate. I'm sorry, a Protestant. I am a United Methodist. Mm-hmm. And those distinctions do matter to me. They're the distinctions that don't matter to me, right? Like it, it does not matter to me that I actually don't like mayonnaise though yes I don't like mayonnaise and I talk about it a lot I'm not wearing a t-shirt about not liking mayonnaise I'm not joining a group and saying yes to certain things and developing an identity around not liking mayonnaise right so if somebody is upset with me because I don't like mayonnaise it will be fine and I'm trying to use examples to sort of help like I think that the public space is counterintuitive because it's based on work that you've done mm-hmm. but it's where you fit in these larger conversations mm. So I'll I'll go ahead and just jump in with the vulnerability and expectation in that space there. I think that it's low vulnerability, low what you bring to the public space. Like, I showed up. Yeah. I don't even know if it's always appropriate that I have to show up excited. Uh Uh-huh. I showed up. You're here. And I think what we get back is super low expectation you created the opportunity for me to show up Mm -hmm. and it still feels like I'm giving more because I actually showed up. I didn't just say I was going to show up on the, in the Facebook event that I actually showed up feels a little bit more. Yeah. 
but you just created the environment for me to show up. Yeah. Do you, Hmm. I honestly don't know what else to ask. I'll just, uh, you know, I'll add again, I do think that it's an area that we don't spend a lot of maintenance on because we kind of just think it'll happen. Mm-hmm. And this is, again, where the whole model comes into view, that the things we're expecting, for instance, from social groups may be better placed in public groups. Mm. Yeah. I don't look for an affirmation of my politics in most of my personal relationships. Mm. I look for that in the public space. Gotcha. Depending on the social group, I may want it. But even then, like, I've got to be really careful about how much I'm bringing into that. And so some of this is like just being really clear. What is the purpose of this relationship? What is the purpose of my um, role in this group? And what's the most appropriate level of expectation? Mm -hmm. And it may be better for me to place those affinity desires in a larger context that we don't have to start drilling down yeah. the difficult thing is that when i start talking about being united methodist if you know anything about what's happening in the united methodist church right now <laughs> whoa <laughs> so i don't need to bring all my personal stuff to the public space um that's why we're about to split because we have so much personal stuff going on in that public space mm-hmm. and i think it's healthy for us to deal with that but my point in all of it is being really clear on what i'm asking the public space Um, and what I'm expecting back actually helps me put the weight of that stuff in other places. Yeah, that makes sense. That the public space can really also just offer up, like it just allows you to have more diverse diverse people in your other spaces. When it comes to maintenance Mm -hmm. on the model, Sometimes the best thing we can do is just acknowledge that we have a connection to an individual that is very, very superficial. Mm -hmm. And we can acknowledge that. There's nothing wrong with that. You only have so much relational energy, right? Yeah. And so you can't act like you don't know that person. You don't recognize. You can't. But they're not social friends. They're not definitely not personal. So what are they to me? They're in my public space. We have a connection because we're United Methodists. Right. And so I don't, I'm not bringing a whole lot. I'm not expecting a whole lot from them. Mm -hmm. And they might expect me to show up. But that's all they're expecting of me, just to be at annual conference. Right. Another another way, like the connection that we may feel with people who share either our sexual identity, gender identity, folks who share our our political beliefs. Again, the connection is there because there's something that we share. We can say that. We can acknowledge that. But that's probably all that's there, mm-hmm. that we are descended from the same tribe or that we um, all love being Jacksonville residents. But that's <laughs> probably it. That, that, great. Let's just say that. Let's not make it more than it needs to be. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, and so sometimes in the maintenance, one of the most healthy things we can do for ourselves and for others is to be OK with superficial relationships. That's where they go. Mm. They go in the personal. I'm sorry, the, the public space. Yeah. I'll also say that I've told some people that it is very okay to put some people on the other side of the public space. And that other side doesn't exist in the model, 
But sometimes that's where some people need to go. They need to literally be placed so far away. Exile? Uh, exile may be somebody's word for it. Okay. Um, because it's your relational energy. It's that's your true. life. And yeah. sometimes you need to even disconnect affinities. You yeah. need to disconnect any connection you have. And that's sometimes the best thing you can do right. for some people. But again, it's about there's a there's a layer of agreement there. Yeah. So if you're doing it to retaliate against someone, that might not be the most helpful thing. But I do think that sometimes you have to look at some folks who've brought a lot of pain into your life and say, we will never talk ever again. Right. That reminds me of what we were talking about in some of the other episodes about how we didn't use this language, but just basically the idea of a title doesn't mean you earn a space in someone's yeah. life. Yeah. And easier to get into somebody's public space than any other space. Mm -hmm. But I think you have the right to say, you know, you don't even get public. Right. And when we talk about maintenance, because throughout these episodes, you've been saying hard work. Mm -hmm. What does that actually look like? Like, what are examples of someone trying to emotionally invest in another person? Mm -hmm. Um. You know, I've got my personal friends and every now and then I'll just ask them, am I showing up for you? Mm -hmm. Am I being who you need me to be? Yeah. And every now and then I'll ask them, are you still wanting to be this person for me? Mm. Now, it's not always in that language, right? But essentially that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, when Richard, my best friend, moved to Chicago we both had to make sure that the friendship that we had in Jacksonville would be sustained with him living so far away. Mm -hmm. Happy to say that we both signed up for a friendship that was not simply based on proximity. But because of that, we have to communicate more. So we text a lot during the week and we're constantly saying things that have, you know, uh, tons of implications for our lives, talking about that stuff with each other. And then at the same time, we'll talk about stuff that have no meaning whatsoever, just to get a quick laugh from each other. But it's our way of maintaining that friendship, maintaining the friendship. It's the work. Mm -hmm. And we both at times have to make sure that we're both in it. So when both still in it for that. So when Richard gets married in a year, that becomes another moment that we've got to make sure this is still what we want to do because right. there's, there's about to be a change. It's a real change. It's a change that we can celebrate, but it's a real change. Right. And so I have to recognize that his energy gets reallocated mm -hmm. when he, um, when he gets married and therefore what I'm expecting of him will probably need to change. And what he's expecting of me will change. Um, the maintenance is having those conversations mm -hmm. regularly agreements talking how are we doing how's our friendship how is this relationship more important on the intimate and personal than it is on the social and the public mm -hmm. but i reckon if you're not having the conversation at the personal level then you're everything else everything's just wacky right and there are people that should be in your public space that are hearing way too much about your life mm. and there are people who you need in the personal space but you keep pushing them away right and so that, that agreement. And then again, yes, it's risky. Yeah. Oh, it's so risky. Yeah. It is risky to be like, hey, Sarah, how are we doing? 
Am I being who I need, who you need me to be? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, here's what's, this is the normal response. If she says yes, or even if she says no. Am I being who I should be? Am I showing up? And yeah, that's, it's, it's weird, but it's real. Do you have any advice for building up the courage to take that risk? Yeah. Um, don't wait too long. Uh, yeah. Don't, don't, don't fester on it. Uh-huh. And be um, big enough to free people up to make their own decisions. You don't want to manipulate somebody into your personal or even intimate space. Mm-hmm. You want them to want to be there. Mm-hmm. There are 7 billion people on this planet. If somebody doesn't want to be a personal friend, there's probably somebody out there who does. Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate this model. Do you have any any more ending remarks as we like wrap up this series? You matter. Yeah. You matter. Yeah, put that on a t-shirt. I I mean it. You have value. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You come from God's original good intent mm-hmm. for creation. So be a good steward of your life. And yeah, work on your relationships. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, you matter. Mm-hmm. You need the village. Go get your village. Yeah. Thanks, Derek. Thank you. It's